This podcast is sponsored by Slow Wave. Are you looking for more calm and less stress in your day? The world is chaotic and distractions are everywhere. It's easier for me to be creative when I feel calm. And that's why I'm really into the new modern CBD experience from Slow Wave. This new brand designed a CBD line to help creators feel calm and centered, to be more creative, stay focused, and do their best work. I usually start my day with their Super Halo Day Blend gummies and a cup of coffee, and it really helps me get dialed in so I can get more done. Visit slowwave.com and use the code BETTERYET15 to save 15% off your order. Better Yet. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet is a conversation that started in 2016, and it's a conversation that continues this week with my guest, Rick McGuire of Pile. Rick is back on the show this week. Scaling the Walls is the name of the brand new single. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to all who are subscribing to the show on your podcast player of choice. I'd like to invite you to visit our website, betteryetpod.com, and check out our YouTube page, youtube.com slash at betteryetpod. How are we doing today, Bobas? I'm drinking that Dagger Mountain coffee, daggermountain.com. Follow them on Instagram at daggermtncoffee.com. My favorite coffee roaster in the U.S. of A, right here in Valparaiso, Indiana. They got a couple new bangers over there from El Salvador. Santa Matilde, natural and washed coffees from Dagger Mountain. DaggerMountain.com. How are we doing, Bubba? I've had a good couple of weeks. I saw Rap Boys on Friday night at Shuba's. They played their record release show for their new record, The Window. Out now on Top Shelf Records. It's great. We got something cool coming down the lines. Me and the Rat Boys. Two Hall of Famers in that band. Julius Steiner and Marcus Nuccio of the Berryette Hall of Fame. Being joined tonight by our guest, Rick McGuire. Rick's third episode on the program. A momentous occasion. We're sponsored by Slow Wave CBD. Slow Wave is a brand new CBD brand that was started by Allegra Anka of Cayetana 
Slow wave is CBD for creative people. Helps you feel calm, centered, and inspired. I use the hotel flowers tincture, and it really helps me get into the creative zone for the podcast and for my other creative ventures. And I've tried a few different brands before, but slow wave products, they work great. They taste great too. Visit shopslowwave.com. Use the code BETTERYET15 to save 15% off your order. All right, my guest this week is Rick McGuire. Rick from Pile. Pile released all fiction in February of this year, a record that Rick had wanted to make for many years. It's his Kid A, his Portishead's third, a heady record, heavy on textures and synthesizers, different from the Pile records of the past, but still motherfucking pile record driving intense ethereal pretty we talk a lot about conceptualizing the record and constructing it we also talk about the solo rick record songs known together alone and the improvisational pile record in the corners of a sphere filled room rick and i talked earlier this year but i was running a little manic at that time and asked rick if we could do another take and he graciously said yes this time around was great though there was an issue with the audio track so i'm sharing the zoom recording it's not ideal i apologize these things can happen it's a great conversation nonetheless and i'm excited to finally share with you my interview with rick from pile thank you for listening to better yet don't forget to rate and subscribe we'll see you in two weeks for now here's me and rick mcguire When when did we last speak? Was it right after the record came out? It was right as it was right after the record came out and you were I think exhausted with doing press for yeah. the record at that point which is uh I think a relatable thing for anybody who's putting out records in 2023 is just the amount of reminding people that this record is coming out for three months and here's a new little teaser and here's a new interview I did with X magazine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that, that, that part of things is now that hasn't really stopped. Cause I mean, we're releasing new music next week. We're going on a tour in a couple weeks and uh, just doing other stuff. There's been like a little bit of a break, but I think that maybe I've sort of, uh, I know how to dip into that mode maybe a little bit better. It is, I think it, what's that? You can compartmentalize it. Yeah, well, I can, um, I know some of what to expect. I think that also from going to the pandemic to whatever this is now uh-huh. to like putting out, putting out an album is different. So the amount of like everyone, everyone's getting a bunch of information all the time. So you're, you really have, you're, you're trying to be seen through all of that. And that's like a, I think going through the the experience of like, all right, well, this is what the game is now. It's just the internet in terms of how you promote things. 
I think that maybe I had expectations like, all right, I'm really going to go for it. And it just felt like it was just so much to do with very like potentially little, um, less to come out on the other side as, as opposed to in the past, it was like, I would do this thing. I would plan for it. I would sort of check these boxes and I could measure what the response was going to be based on past experiences. But it felt like in that four year gap, like 2019 to 2023, mm-hmm. that things kind of changed dramatically. But so now I've sort of recalibrated to the, that reality where it's like, you're going to have to put a bunch of stuff out and it may not yield the things relative to what you're putting out. But um, yeah, it was a pretty tiring thing. And then, um, and then, yeah. And then, yeah, we went on the European tour. How was that? Oh, it was cool. How does pile draw in Europe? Um, It depends. I mean, in, in mainland Europe, we do. Okay. Um, There's some, some spots that we've spent more time um like in in the netherlands and belgium like we do okay mm-hmm. uh, but we always fly into amsterdam so it's and that's because that's where the back line rental is so we all you know we have a pretty good network of friends and 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 fans there but we went to some other places ordinarily or in on past tours we've gone east so we'll go to like prague and you know slovenia and yeah. poland and all that but i'm not sure if it was just for the sake of variety or because of the war that we were uh in in ukraine that we were we went further oh sorry yeah we went further west this time so we went all the way out to portugal yeah um uh, but yeah so like you know there was some there were some places that we hadn't really really played much like we'd never played lisbon before um and yeah it was beautiful it was amazing i mean it was great to go to all of those places but as far as like playing shows and it being lucrative and all that it can be a little bit more challenging just because the overhead um is it's just so much more expensive to go there I the, imagine these days too, you have to get so many little power converters because you got so many cents, right? Your your money's just all going into power converters. <laughs> well, a lot a lot of money did go into making sure we were able to get our gear over there because it's yeah. not even just like the um the synths themselves, which are like programmed to have certain samples that we used from the studio. There's also just weight and size restrictions. So we had to get cases made that would actually fit for, you know, we would, that we wouldn't get charged like crazy oversized baggage things. Um, so that was, that was expensive. And then, um, and then, yeah, just renting a van and renting all the rest of the gear is pretty pricey, but we go to the UK and that's where we end up making a lot of our money back. So we, we have uh, crowds uh, comparable to ones that we have in the States there. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was, you know, it was a good trip. It was challenging. I think that the set was really, it's was really different from what we had done, at least 
in terms of with there being synths and all that sort of stuff, you're kind of tethered to this thing and like singing and playing keyboard and that it's like just a very different vibe to like playing a guitar. So, uh, and while we did have guitar stuff, it was just a, it was a really challenging and orchestrated set, but we, you know, it was good. I think we did a good job. Um, and now we have sort of a, we've, brought back an old member uh um, that matt's back playing matt's the back. guitar that's right that's right matt connery is going to be playing guitar and so we have you know there there's a lot of the old material that is now opened up for us and so it, it which has been really fun too um and then some of the newer stuff we can kind of do what either what we were doing before i mean my the, the plan is to have some nights where we have no synths and we do the new material, all just guitars. Oh, cool. Um, which has been fun. has been fun. And it's also like spoken to the um, versatility that I hope the, the songs would have yeah. that like, I could be able to play them solo. I can play them. I can play them solo guitar. I can play them solo piano. We can play them with two guitars, bass and drums. We could play them with synths, whatever, just like that. The songs are, um, strong enough or have like a strong enough identity that it's it's it translates in any one of those contexts so that sounds like a good challenge to have i mean it was it was for me i i think uh that was a lot of what i wanted to do and especially because there was the time of not playing together as a band it would be so easy to just if we were practicing on the regular to really say ah well never mind i have this idea and i brought it together as a band and this idea is so satisfying playing it with a band that i'm going to forego this other thing which is to make it like make it work in these other settings so i may develop a part that's like oh well it has this cool thing that happens it's very specific to a band dynamic that now i can't bring that back to the solo thing but because the time in between you know you know the end of 2019 to you know when we tracked the record in october of 2021 that wasn't an option to even entertain that idea of how we would be doing it as a band i could really lean into that um idea of trying to have versatile songs so yeah We'll get into all fiction a little bit more, but one thing that I did want to ask was just because the sonics on this record are so kind of out there and different, did you go into all fiction with really set um, parts or was this a record that you like maybe opened yourself up a little bit more to, well, there's going to be space here and we're going to fill it. Let's like not dictate what that's what that fill is going to be quite yet let's like let it happen in the studio um yeah i mean there was there was some of that there was some deliberate space left um we demoed out i i demoed out a lot of this material with alex and then once chris came down to nashville which is where alex and i were living at the time and we started working on the material we demoed it twice so we we tracked the album in its entirety twice 
And then we brought it to the studio. So there was a lot that was really mapped out in terms of what we did want to do. Um, so the structure of the songs and, and things like that. But I did want to leave space for like, I mean, I, the, the place that I think of it the most, there are like certain examples I can think of, like in the beginning of Link Arms being like, these are just going to be like kind of a, um, these sustained chords and just vocals over these sustained chords. And we can have uh, noises and sounds that kind of come in that complement whatever atmosphere we're trying to create with that. And none of that was really planned ex as to exactly how we would do that. So there was, I wanted to leave space for it to be like, just to try things out. But in order to, I felt in order to leave space for that, that the songs themselves had to be very like, these are certainly what they are. Like there's, mm -hmm. there, there's no real negotiation on like how long this part goes or where this part comes in or, or that sort of thing. So by being able to do that, that having the song so like certainly figured out there was, there was like, all right, well, here's a space where we can do whatever we want and see what works. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was like, it, it was, yeah, there, there were spots that were very much orchestrated and spots that we wanted to give ourselves the freedom to, to just see what would happen if we tried different things. You mentioned you were in Nashville for a little bit. You, mm -hmm. When did you move back to Boston? Um, September of 2022. Are you happy to be back in Boston? Very much so. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. I, um, I love our place here. We got, you know, we have a nice life up here. So it's, yeah, it's great. I really, I mean, it's, it's home for sure. So I, I enjoyed my time in Nashville, but I'm, I'm very happy to be back. You going to shows? How's the, how's the scene in Boston right now? Um, you know, it seems, it seems to be alive and kicking, you know, I played a show at a, you know, I keep finding out about new spots. Isn't that cool that that's happening? I feel like it it's is. happening everywhere. Is there's new spots in Chicago? Yeah. yeah, I mean, Chicago seems to have a really vibrant music community, um, and that's yeah, it's pretty cool to to see uh, as an outsider. Um, but yeah, you know what. I've I played a show in June at uh, this spot in town that I had just never heard of, and uh, it's a really cool like I think it's like a woodworking shop. Oh, cool! Um, and then there was a spot also that was like very close to this this grocery store that was like a loft space that apparently had um, practice rooms in in the building that I just I was not even aware existed but has been there for a very long time um i went to a house show that was a five minute walk away from where i live um so there's stuff happening um i'm going out when i uh can or find out about events that i'm that i'm excited about but um but yeah it's great it's great you know it's it's definitely different and i feel it was weird, actually, the house show that I went to. It was, it was a bunch of bands that, you know, 
with members of people that I'd played house shows with like 13 years ago. Yeah. Um, and it was really like a reunion. There were so many people that were from at, like that also just came from out of town that just were like there for the show being like, Oh, I got to go to this. And it was such a very clear, like, these are the people that hung out with each other like a decade ago. And then here's like the next generation of people that are in their like mid twenties. And they're all children now. That just <laughs> happened, right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody under 25 is suddenly a child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's trace the timeline back a little bit here. You released In the Corners of a Sphere-Filled Room in May of 2021, fully improvised collection of, of noise from mostly up from Marcotta, right? With Kevin McMahon? Mm-hmm. Was that during the green and gray sessions? It was mostly, yeah. There was the bulk of it was from that session. Just we were there for a couple weeks and sort of, you know, Kevin left all the mics set up and would just sort of hit record whenever. So we would kind of go in and mess around and make, make noise. And then some of it was a little bit more directed but still noise also at Marcado when I was doing uh the solo reimaginings and songs known together alone and there were certain pieces that I like ideas that I wanted represented on the noise thing or just to have noise or like kind of like demo out yeah in a very um loose and unscripted way so I just you left some mics up and I looped some things and uh, and then there was also um, Alex and I at the spot in Nashville. Uh, he was able to kind of collect some some sounds and, and Chappie did some like tape loops and, and things like that. So there was some other stuff that was added to it afterwards. But it, ultimately, it was a thing where we just had a lot of this. This content from that session, the Green and Gray session, and then we thought to maybe try to put it together in some semi-coherent, cohesive way. Um, and then, yeah, it just ended up adding a few things here and there to make it a whole a whole record. When you say guided, is it like, all right, we've got space to fill on my employer. Let's fucking, like, set our set our keys and let's do it. Um, no, it was more like, um, I guess I'm, I'm sorry. It, when you say guided, I, I, I'm spacing on what you're referring to that I said. You, you said some of the like noise making was guided. Other times it was just very loose. Okay. Yeah. So the stuff that was loose with that, that was the bulk of it. Yeah. The, it was just like we're doing this there's really no clear function to it it's just we're gonna go in and like kind of mess around and 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 jam in our in our own way uh and so there was that but then after the fact once it became because alex was really the one that was 
like, oh, we should turn this into something. Yeah. And so once that became the end goal of turning it into something, it was easier to see what was lacking from those, from it as a coherent thing. So it's like, I could see something going here. So just going to make this thing up and then we'll use that. We'll put that on, on that thing. So, um, it was very like a patchwork, I would say. Yeah. With there being like this really broad thing and then trying to organize that and then seeing where the, what we felt were weaknesses or areas that could be enhanced by any idea that we might be able to, to, to throw on top of it. It's like when you start thinking about it as like an end product, it's like, there's going to be a certain amount, a certain leap of faith that people take into, okay, this is a fully improvised, improvised thing. There's no songs. There's no lyrics. Like yeah. you got to hook them in some way. Sure. Yeah. I think it's like similar to, I mean, in the way of like a conventional song, like if we were to be tracking something and we're in the phase where it's like, all right, all basics are done. We've got uh, guitar, bass, drums, vocals. And like, this is it. But then you're listening back and there's like somewhere in the second, like halfway through the second verse, you're like, you know what? It could use something to help like lift it or to really like push the momentum in this part. And you go in there and you just try something. Mm -hmm. I felt like it's like an equivalent of something like that, where you're just like, all right, here's this like noise thing that's building. And then it drops off because for whatever reason, maybe I was messing around with the pedal while we were like, just like, tinkering around with things and like i turned it down really fast like well maybe there's something like at that at in that moment as i was doing that i didn't have anything in mind for what would come next or what the like reason for doing that was i was just responding to what was happening in the room but now that i'm listening back months years later it's like well if it's going to be like a listenable thing then there's i could do something with that space afterwards so it's still just responding to that. And it's not super deliberate. You know, maybe I would do a couple takes. So, I mean, maybe the idea of, um, I think, you know, the idea of calling it an Im Im improvisational record, it still is true because most of the stuff on there was, but there was some deliberation that went into, um, you know, how it was constructed and that sort of thing. So, I mean, I think that there's, it's just an, it was an easier way, especially because it's such an outlier in the catalog of music that goes under the name of pile. It's like, there needs to be something like a word at the beginning of it. I mean, it could be like ambient, but it's not really ambient because there's some like kind of harsher noise stuff that's happening too. Um, and there are just, yeah, there are just a lot of things on it. So I think that, that improvisational was just what we settled on as like the clearest way to 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 distinguish it from the other music that was that mm -hmm. we put out mm -hmm. you've been getting more and more into like synths and sound textures and stuff like that is that guided by just like the exploration of having new new toys to tinker with or um do you i think it was music like that a lot i think that the Initial impulse was like a lot of the music that I was listening to was not guitar based music. 
so I started being drawn more to that. And it was really, you know, at the end of 2019 and, you know, pretty much through every bit of touring, it's just been, or in performing in general, there's a guitar, there's Mm -hmm. always a guitar. And I think that I was just wanting to see if I could somehow get around that. Yeah. And, um, so following 2019, I had a lot more time to focus on just playing synth or piano in a way that was not in a live setting. It was all just like in my room or just like listening back on recordings or whatever. So I didn't, um, you know, and now that I've really been, I've given myself the space to explore that to a pretty, you know, I've allowed that to become part of of this project in a way that it never really had been, um, which is cool because now it feels like it's something it's something that I've wanted to do, but not really known how to do and not felt like I've had the resources to do. So it's just been like, well, I have this guitar, you know, and this is the easiest way for us to 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 travel. So this was the first time that I could really lean into trying other textures and having that be something that's presented in a on record and in a in a performance like i mean you know we've done like um string section stuff on previous records but but beyond that that's just been like you know stuff on albums that no one really expects to be happening live with a band Mm -hmm. Anyway, so yeah, I was able to to get into that more and then being able to to travel with it. And I will say like touring with it is such a different thing. Um it's cool and I love having that access to different textures live. But in recorded music, I feel like is really where it shines the most for me. So I've been now that we've been playing more and can go out and play more. And also, I will say this though, in the solo context and like more mellow things, I feel like the synth stuff is, it's great. It's great. Cause it's something that's so just very felt and some of like the sub, um, sub bass stuff is like, it's just really nice. And just to be able to play with those textures in a much more like, um, controlled environment but once you start bringing drums into it and stuff or at least for us at this point because it's still pretty new um it's a different thing and i've enjoyed it i've enjoyed it and i want to you know keep learning about it but i've definitely gone i'd say i swung pretty hard to the synthesizer side of things and now maybe i'm like kind of coming back somewhere in the middle of being like i like singing and playing guitar at the same time yeah um and it's cool. It feels more balanced. Not like that one was wrong and now I'm going back to one that's like more correct. It's just basically I've broadened what I think that I'm able to use. Um, so yeah, it has been a thing to just to know within myself that like that's that's a, that's a tool that I have access to and can use feel like we all got to kind of witness that when you did songs known together alone Mm -hmm. that was such a cool expression that you made and such a yeah it's it's neat the way that that kind of comes together with you 
taking this material that you do have and exploring the space of it. I love that record. Oh, so thank much. you. Yeah. 16 previously released songs and just by you. And is that where the idea comes from? Is like, I want to explore this space and like, Rather yeah. than come up with all new material, why don't I put it into what I know? Well, but I think a part of it was like I had I had new material. I mean, there also is like a from that session, which I just haven't dug up ends of neon gray and blood that I did. There's songs known together alone that I just I tracked because I had them and I was there, but I didn't, you know, obviously didn't release them because I knew that they were coming out on the next record and so i didn't want to release a record of new material solo because i wanted to do that with the band it's just that wasn't really an opportunity or that wasn't like a possibility like i couldn't meet up with them i couldn't couldn't do any of that and we certainly wouldn't have been able to tour on it so it seemed like uh the, the just like a the a unique circumstance wherein I could actually put out a solo record and it would feel like, um, you know, like a betrayal of the other members of the band or, um, just, you know, like just some, it, 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 I've been doing solo shows since like the beginning of pile being a thing. It was, um, it was, right. it, that's it, how it so, started. That's how it started. So it was just like, I was playing in that capacity just myself for, uh, some time before it became what most people know it as now. Um, so, and I, you know, throughout touring, I, people have said like, Oh, you know, you should put out just like a solo thing. And, um, there just never really seemed to be a time to do that. That made sense. And this was a time that it did make sense. It's like, I can't really play with anybody else. I am starting to explore a lot of this other different stuff. Sonically I'm doing these live streams because that's really the only way that I can do this. And not, uh, not only that, but like most of the live streams I'm seeing look and sound like shit so why don't i try to do something that's like it's not i'll do it live but it will be like it'll look away like it'll be there will be some thought put into how it looks and there'll be some thought put into how it sounds um so it just seemed like also um yeah there was just a lot pointing to to that being a weird cool thing that I could do given the circumstances. And then, you know, once things started to open back up in terms of shows that made the most sense as far as like trying to tour because um, the stakes were lower. I wasn't asking the other members of the band to like take the risk of like, let's go out on tour right now when it might all get canceled. Why don't you like drop everything you're doing for like two months Mm -hmm. and then have have this potentially not be a thing so it did feel like a good yeah you know and maybe i'm maybe i'm like um just retrospectively being 
like, oh, well, it was just like, it just, everything just worked out perfectly, you know, like, because it was like a really challenging time. And so I think I was just trying to also be creative with what the circumstances were. Yeah, definitely. It was like, that was the time is like figuring out new ways to do shit. I just, it's so cool to hear, you know, a song like, I don't want to do this anymore, which is just two minutes on the record. And then you flesh it out into this five minute long thing with lyrics and I don't know it 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 evokes something that I think is just really unique to to the experience of having like a long catalog of songs that you love I guess for you what was it like like exploring those songs you I would imagine just like getting in there and being like damn there is like so much more to this stuff than I originally envisioned yeah yeah i think um there's something to like i don't know i liken it to some like i all right i grew up playing basketball yeah and there's like times that i you know the periods that i have not done that as frequently i'd still do it occasionally but not with the same kind of um regularity or intensity more recently i've been been trying to play more and with that i am doing the same things i'm still taking jump shots i'm still you know driving to the hoop on the left or whatever you know like i'm doing all these things that i've done since i was a lot younger but just things have changed like my body has changed my the way that i think about like meeting strangers for like pickup games and things like that uh just my perspective has changed but it's the same game you know it's like the game hasn't changed at all yeah um so i i kind of think of it that way where it's like these songs are the same they're like they are the same i'm approaching them slightly differently um and so there's things that I can do within that that are it kind of I think that there's a way that also it helps me it helps me kind of remove myself from from the songwriting part of it in terms of like I'm creating something and it yeah. it took some of the pressure off of it and I could still come up with new ideas or be creative or think about how to approach certain things but it was a lot more from like a problem problem solving perspective and it was also more in like an exploration in how I hear music. Mm. So, cause it's like, I'm hearing this song in this way. I know that these are the chords and I can play it and I can play it in this way and it, it'll be fine. But what if I change the voicing of this chord for this second verse, it might work better in this context. It wouldn't work in the old one, or maybe it would, maybe I can like sort of, edit this in a way right um so i I think i mean maybe the basketball analogy isn't the best but it still just felt like something really familiar that i was returning to that had um that there was like a way of rethinking how i was doing these old things i love it i love it i want to fucking play some basketball today well i mean yeah maybe i'm Come to Chicago, man. Just bring a ball. I'll be ready to go. <laughs> Give me about 15 minutes and then I'll start. I'll start hitting 18 footers. Nice. 
So you went back to Marcotta, mm -hmm. New Paltz, worked with Kevin McMahon. Again, that's where you made Green and Gray. Did you know that you were going to make All Fiction again with Kevin? Yeah, yeah. I mean, before before we worked on Green and Gray, I had mentioned that I wanted to do two albums. And, you know, obviously Songs Known Together Alone was a, 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 a response to, to circumstance mostly, like I said, but prior to doing yeah we we met we hung out and i said that i i wanted to do um you know like kind of a rock record because it was we had two new members in the band and i didn't want to stray too far from what people had known the band to be mm -hmm. um because i just didn't want that sort of lumped together with i think maybe you know being like, oh, these two new members, and now the band sounds totally different. Um, so I wanted that to be, and I, I just, I think that I would have felt really misunderstood if that was how, like, how things went, and I didn't want to leave any. I wanted to leave less room for that. So, yeah. Um, and for the following one, it was like, this is going to be the one that we do things differently. We approach the recording process differently. Um, and we, we approach things differently sonically. So, um, yeah, I did know, I did know back in 2019, because we had talked about, it was like, you know, so what, you know, what do you like, kind of, what are you thinking as far as, how to uh, approach the songs or do things differently. You know, I just mentioned some of the stuff that I was listening to or into. And, Ooh, let's uh, talk about that real quick. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've, um, I was, and I, this probably isn't too big of a surprise given the, how the record sounds, but I was uh, obsessed with kid a. Fuck yeah. Cause I listened to it when I was like 16 or something like that. And I thought it was a cool record and I thought it was good. And I, you know, I listened to it a bunch that, that and amnesiac amnesiac was actually the first one that I listened to. Um, but I, uh, it's like seeing yeah. Terminator two before you see the Terminator. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, both, both amnesiac was my, my favorite for, for a while, favorite of the two for a while. But then at a certain point, I just, I think that's, the context of kid a so fucking it, good man it is and it also it being like this was the record that came out after okay computer and it was just such a very clear i i i love how i was able to revisit it later and realize and then think about how i first heard it as a 16 year old and be like oh i just didn't think anything of this like I didn't think anything of the fact that there's a song that's just like bass, drums, and um, like saxophone, and like these other things that are like I wasn't thinking about the sonic source. I wasn't thinking about how these things were made. I was like, yeah, they're they're like a rock band, mm -hmm. but it's like 
the first song has you know just like a synthesizer and vocals and this like slight kick drum you know just really actually thinking what was making up these songs so that was cool especially since i was in a place of everything is guitar based drums yeah like that's what it's been for me so i had something that i could point to as being like this is how i want things to change and then there's a song like idiotech which is just like my favorite song on that record yeah same same and just like how those drum sounds came to be and also the chords in that song are like i know that it's a sample from something else but it's really just four notes that are inverted in four different ways mm-hmm. so it's this like each that whole song is just four notes um or at least the chord progression anyway but so i i that was a, a record that i became obsessed with and i think because there was something about the fact that I, when I was 16, I didn't think anything of it. And the fact that I could listen to it many years later and be like, oh, there's actually really, there's so much thought that went into this. And I was able to just listen to it in a way that wasn't like totally intellectual. I, I wasn't intellectualizing that music. I thought it was cool and interesting. And it made me feel things as a teenager, but it was like not. I wasn't drawn to it as like in a uh, music theory sense or like a music production sense or any of that sort of stuff. So um, that was pretty fascinating. And then I was into, you know, Portishead's third and a lot of, and then Kate Bush, the dreaming. Um, The dreaming is fucking underrated. It is. It's a it's a it's a wild and wild and weird record. Yeah. Um and then um PJ Harvey's White Chalk. That was the never got into that one. That's yeah, I love that record. Um but anyway, so yeah, that was like those were the the records that I was uh just talking about with him to to say that that, that was what I wanted all fiction to be. So yeah, I got a synthesizer and was able to start kind of messing around with how I wanted songs to be represented. And um, and yeah. It's nice that you drew that kind of in advance because I've read that this is kind of the type of thing that you've been wanting to do since dripping. Mm-hmm. But it just kind of always goes back to, well, I got two guitars, drum and bass to account for. Mm-hmm. So... It makes sense that you're like all the way back to green and gray. You're like, this is what the follow-up is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess there's no shortage of guitars on this record though. Loops. I love that fucking lead so much. Oh, thank you. Love that image of the room full of upside down umbrellas filling with water it reminds me of like a Magritte painting. Hmm. I, I, the only, I, it came from, um, someone told me this was, a uh, that Eric Satie. Yeah. That he was found dead in a room that where there was umbrellas upside down on the ground Whoa. and pianos stacked on top of each other. And I, there's like no way that that is true, but it's just such a surreal 
or maybe it is. I don't. I don't. You know. listen to that guy's music. I'll believe anything. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, love that, was... that shit, dude. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, he's great. The. I mean, how long have you been playing piano? I mean, I played for like two years when I was like seven and eight years old, and yeah. then I, you know, I've played really only for the function of doing like textural keyboards on pile records since right. that point. But I've been trying to get, just be a better player. So I, I think in the past, yeah, like five, five years or so, I've spent more time with just trying to get better. You got a Rhodes, right? I do. I do. Beautiful instrument, man. I feel yeah. like that's just like an investment in like devotion yeah the practice yeah yeah it's uh it's a pretty it's a pretty amazing instrument yeah and it's it's all over the record too i mean but alex mostly played the roads yeah on the, on the album but yeah that's a great instrument you ever you ever get into uh drucks by aphex twin oh yeah definitely yeah dude i love that fucking record so much i love just the back and forth of like that just pounding drum and bass shit and then his like sati pieces oh yeah yeah i mean that was a I, that was another record i think i was like 19 when i got it so it was a pretty formative there's like a lot of um i feel like a lot of music that i don't fully understand at first you know i actually i wonder though because there's there's i'm sure there's music that i don't understand that i still just have never revisited and it's never ended up resonating with me but i feel like the stuff that has resonated with me the most upon first hearing it i'm like i don't know if i like this and then at a certain point it's like i can kind of accept the thing for what it is and i'm open to receive it and then that is like i mean fugazi's end hits was one for me where it was like i think i was listening to a lot of just I mean, I was listening to, I was 14 at the time. So I was into like Descendants and No Effects and stuff like that. So listening to End Hits just does not have any of the qualities that I think that I liked about I mean, No Effects or Descendants. Just like this hooky, like super specific kind of distorted guitar. And um, yeah, Bugazi did not have that, at least on that record. And uh yeah, it ended up being like the record that sort of converted me from a lot of that music that I I now I just would never listen to. Yeah, I remember buying um, Repeater. I was like, oh, this is Ian from Minor Threats band. And I'm at Borders right now. Let me buy this Fugazi mm -hmm. CD and thinking like what the fuck i like this yeah. nice song but like this isn't minor threat at all right yeah it's very very different um so with this one did you do the same thing um recording were you going back into the barn after hours and making more noise yeah we did a little bit but i mean none of it is i mean i haven't listened to much of it since i will say that uh yeah alex has listened through to it and he's he's pretty convinced that i wouldn't care much for 
any of it. <laughs> um, yeah, he was like, I don't think that you're going to, you would like any of the stuff that we, we ended up doing. So, I mean, fair enough. I I haven't given, given it much of a shot. It's definitely not as much as we had in Green and Gray. But I think that also there was plenty of space for us to improvise on other on things on the record. So a lot of it really did just make its way into this is the, mm -hmm. I wonder how much, because we tracked on a lot of things. So there was cases like in um, Poison Say, like on that song we did, we tracked it, the three of us, guitar, bass, drums, vocals, or just say guitar, bass, drums. Tracked it and tracked it to a click. And then we would do a full band overdub. So Chris would play, you know, a slightly varied drum beat. I would do either, um, and I could do a guitar that was like through the, the con like straight into the console. And Alex was doing stuff that was just on roads instead of bass guitar. So we were, you know, I was looking for potential for there to be things where we could just like, oh, well, what if we just subtracted? the first guitar and we subtracted the first drums and then what does it sound like? Yeah. Or what if we subtract the bass from the first one and it's just the roads and you know, so there was, um, there's a lot of content, a lot of data that we collected, but it still was very much around the songs. Whereas in green and gray, I think we did the songs and then there was some just like time to just like, let's just sort of, mess around and see what other stuff we can come up with man i can't wait to listen to poisons again because there's like so much stuff that's like disorienting in a little way and it's like you can't put your finger on what it is that's like but it does have that like man i just love how cold this record is when you talk about kid a that's i think about cold headphones and cold mm. and that's what i get on all fiction like big time yeah yeah, I mean, it's I, I, some of the stuff. Yeah, there's a lot that ended up just getting muted just because it was like, yeah, this doesn't really work. Or it's kind of like occupying the same space or it's just like muddying something up so that we can't hear whatever high frequency thing is happening. I mean, that was a lot of it, too. It's like we would just hear like everything was low mids, like everything that we're like, mm -hmm. this sounds cool. It's like well, it's all occupying the same space. So we need to figure something out. So um but yeah, there was no shortage of just like overdub, overdubbed instruments. Just like, we, yeah, we tracked a lot. I think I venture to say the nude with the suitcase is my favorite pile song. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's, it has been mine as well. I don't know if it still is. Let me make sure my laptop is. Yeah, yeah. I was very proud of that song. And I think that. I also just like, in addition to compositionally how it turned out, I think texturally some of the the sound on the keyboard there is actually my voice. Oh, so, really? Yeah, and it was like a cool sort of, I wanted to do that for a long time. I wanted to use my voice as a keyboard thing because there's like an imperfection part of it that's cool and also relative to other stuff like using it as a sample on a keyboard mm -hmm. i always just think so, like sounds really cool it's fucking awesome dude this i mean is this what is this what you envisioned is this what when you go back to i've been wanting to make this record since dripping do you feel like you accomplished what you set out to do yeah 
Yeah. And I mean, that, that, that feeling is sort of like, there was a, there was a long period of time where I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make another one, you know, just cause like I, like I said, in green and gray, I was like, well, this, this other record after this. And I have always kind of operated that way where it's like, I can sort of see ahead to the next record. And this one was like, I don't know what happens next. Mm. Uh, I'm just kind of putting everything into this. And so, um, yeah, for a while it was like, this is it. This is the best that I'm going to be able to do. And, um, you know, I'm still very proud of the record and I've still spent so much time on, um, arranging it for different performances too. So if I sit down at the piano, I'll still play songs that are on that record just to like, you know, just to like, it's kind of compulsive at this point. I've played them so many times. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm starting to move on and just work on, work on newer stuff. And I was really precious with this last record. So I think that there's a part of it too, where it's like, I kind of want to just go back to, I did have a great time recording it and writing it, but it was, there's such an intensity about how I was writing it. And I'm trying to not be so just to not put so much pressure on myself. I'm sure that there will be time for that and there will be, um, but right now it's, you know, the the tour is in like three weeks. So that's really where my, my head has been at, but it's been cool to have like new ideas again and just be working on things and not feel so much pressure within myself to change. So like, I really have to go deeper and explore this other thing. And then now it's like, well, I could just write music because it's fun and it's something that I feel like doing and it's something that I um, get something out of. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to like shatter the mold of what I yeah. believe other people think of me as or whatever thing that I was you know, trying to go after. Not that I'm trying to um, look at that person that was trying to change and be like, well, what you were doing was so based in your own ego. Like I'm sure that some element of it was, but it was, it was like a thing of just, I don't think I would be able to be in this place to like then reapproach playing music with a sense of like it being fun and fulfilling. If I didn't go to the place where I was really working hard to explore what I was capable of in terms of making the record, like, all, all fiction that's great dude there's no script for longevity especially in this world mm-hmm. so it's it's good that you're able to kind of put yourself through it and then come out feeling strong and feeling like you accomplished what you wanted to do and feel fresh again yeah i feel like every record that i end up making is kind of a response to the last one in some yeah. kind of way and then and and less so the, the you know the the record before that whatever so all just building on itself so yeah this one it was what i needed it needed it to be and uh, i'm sure that the next one will be the same well you dropped it at the beginning of this interview and i have no preparation for this but you have a new thing coming out that'll be out mm-hmm. by the time this interview's out tell tell me about that for the first time 
So we did, um, this was from the all fiction session. So we have five other songs sort of thing. We're releasing a single in mm-hmm. this, this Friday. Um, and yeah, did, did a music video for that. And, uh, we'll be releasing another one in the middle of September. Hell yeah. And, uh, and then there will be another one in November. And then that's when it'll be like announced as an EP. I don't know how much it's supposed to be like a secret, but whatever it's going to come out. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I think that the songs, I think the songs are good. It's not that they're, you know, I think that the, the, the impression that anyone would have is like, Oh, well, these are the songs that weren't good enough to go on the record. And it's kind of, it's less that there's probably songs that are on the record that aren't as strong as these ones, but they just make, they made more sense to me can like for like it to be a cohesive record. Like there needs to be this song, like it's Mm -hmm. weird, but it needs to be on there for like pacing reasons. And for just like this idea to be represented uh, juxtaposed against this song and this song. So um, these songs all felt like, they could just stand on their own. So I was like, well, then let's maybe present them that way. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to put these out. I'm excited to play them. Um, and yeah, yeah, just, it's nice to be able to be putting out new music, especially with, it was kind of strategic too, as far as like putting it out a little bit before the tour because there's such a big gap i wasn't you know the way that we've um released the record and uh toured on it has been different than how we've done it in the past like usually it's like we release a record we kind of immediately go on tour in the states and then sometime after that we go on tour in europe this time I was like, I really want to put more attention on Europe. Mm. It's like, just to, I love it there and would want to sort of get, like, see how it goes with just releasing it immediately and touring there first. And uh, so we did that. And also just curious, curious to see how people respond to um, us releasing music and then touring much later in the States, especially with it being a record that is different. Maybe it gives people more time to digest what it is that's going on there. And uh, so, yeah, that's what we're doing. And, but with that, it does leave potential for like, okay, they're touring in like seven months. So like, I'm just not really gonna think about it. And then trying to promote that all the time and not being able to use the release of the album to help promote the tour. So. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, by releasing a little bit of music before the trip, we'll be able, you know, be able to sort of regain some of that momentum. I like it. It's different. Different is good. Mm-hmm. Also, your fucking pile. Everybody's gonna come. No worries about that. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. I know I'll be there, and uh, I must commemorate this. You were here in 2017. You were here in 2019. 2023 better yet hall of fame class rick from pile you've been on this show three times that's uh that's how we do it here 
welcome to the Hall of Fame. Thank you. Happy as, to be here. As silly as it is, it um pretty fucking cool thing for me to, you know, when I started this, you were up at the top and I still place you there. I think that you're making some of the best rock and roll music in the world. And Thank you. Um, means means a ton to be able to have you on this show, dude. I'm uh, yeah, I really appreciate you having me back. Yeah, it's nice, nice chatting and catching up. Hell yeah. I'll see you in Chicago. Nice man. Hell yeah. All right, thanks for coming on. Yeah, dude. Oh.